there any uh, August birthdays? Anyone? Huh? Okay, Retha's been outed. That's good. That's good. Who's that? Evie back there? Evie. All right. I can't see you back there. Who? Someone else? Okay, back there, yes. All right. Oh, there we go right there. Another one. So just look around. Look around. Oh, Alan in the booth as well. And I don't know if there's anyone in the comments. So uh, we just like to sing happy birthdays. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? We are all fearfully. Yes. We spare no expense around here to celebrate that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mark, that is quite the look there, bro. I don't... Okay, so on the count of three, Gloria's going to lead us into happy birthday. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear you all. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, August birthdays. All right, kids, you know what time it is. We're going to dismiss you out the back doors to Kingdom Kids. Oh, I'm sorry. We have a video. That's right. We have a Kingdom Kids video before they're dismissed. Hi, Kingdom Kids and families. In Kingdom Kids this month, our series is going to be on... What's in your backpack? And it teaches kids Bible lessons about having a good attitude about going back to school. Isn't that fun? And going back to school, we're going to be using things that we already have in our backpacks, and we're using Bible stories. We're going to talk about pencils and notebooks and rulers and can't forget our folders, all that stuff. And of course, we're going to use stories from the Bible. So let's talk about some of our newest Kingdom Kids and see what their thoughts are. Stand by. We can't tell secrets. Class time starting, Roscoe. Hi, I'm Kimbo, and this is my new friend, Roscoe. We have new backpacks. When school starts, our backpacks get really heavy with books and snacks and stuff. We have more things every day. They feel heavy like us sometimes. We get fearful and we get sad. And sometimes we get worried like, what should I wear to school? We worry about making friends and oh, we get our assignments done on time. Right, Roscoe? Yeah. Okay, but no matter how rough it gets, God is always there and he loves you. And he will always be there to help you face all your problems. So when school gets tough this year, grab on to God, just like your backpack. And ask God to carry you through because he is always faithful in good times and in bad. You can always count on God. Right? Teacher, Roscoe just tried to kiss me. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's give it up for the kids as they go to Kingdom Kids. Let them know how much 
We love them. All right. There you go. Thank you, Kim. That was awesome. Well, first Sunday of the month, we, uh, we really have a lot going. Uh, we do celebrate it. If you're visiting, if you're new, we have a, a website. We have a church app, an email list you can get on. And so it's just a way for us to communicate uh, to you and for you to get to know us. So I encourage you to check those things out as well. Uh, one note, and this is something we mention every so often just to kind of help us because, you know, we're all busy and things just if we don't keep attention on some things, they tend to kind of drift. Uh, just, just a reminder, you know, we start at 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, that's not something that we're just, like, like kind of, like, angry about starting at 10 o'clock. The reason we encourage you to get here early and to come on in at 10 o'clock is that um, because we're live streaming primarily. And out of respect for those at home and uh, those of you who get here early, we, we do try to start as close to 10 as possible. So we just encourage you, if you get here, come on in. We have plenty of time to fellowship and coffee and donuts and cheese and everything afterwards. But, but our heart uh, is to honor and respect that time, your time. Uh, the time for people at home. And so that's the 10 o'clock start time. Just kind of uh, help us with that. Uh, we want to say thank you to everyone who helped serve yesterday at Doris's uh, memorial. Many of you served. It was a great setup in here. Some of you with the food and the drinks and everything. That was just a wonderful, wonderful celebration of Doris's life and how she impacted so many. I mean, really, this church uh, really is part of Doris and Frank's uh, legacy. That's why we're here. So uh, blessed to have done that. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, we have baptisms uh, after service today out in the uh, patio in the stage area over there. We're going to encourage you to come on out. Uh, we have a lot of food left over from yesterday, so that's going to be out there, and the donuts and everything will be out on the patio today. So come on out um, and just kind of celebrate as a church family, uh, really people being baptized and celebrating relationship with the Lord. Okay, and uh, agape meals. Cindy, you want to come on up? Uh, we have a ministry called Agape Meals, and Cindy Mullins has uh, stepped in to, to help facilitate that. Sorry about that. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Good morning, church. Um, the Well is reviving a ministry that was on pause during COVID. Uh, the Agape Meal Ministry is specifically for our church fellowship. It's not a community ministry. Uh, we want to provide the blessing of a meal uh, for an individual or a family. Uh, during a time of uh, stress, surgery, new baby, loss, there are a number of reasons for providing a meal. I speak from the experience of July 21 last year when my husband had serious surgery. I was pretty, um, pretty stressed out, pretty thin with worry, unable to think about grocery shopping or preparing a meal. Much less, uh, yeah, much less preparing a meal. So an old friend called and said, I'm bringing dinner. Is 6 p.m. okay? She showed up with a simple meal. I could have kissed her feet. <laughs> the only negative to that was that a half gallon of Moose Tracks ice cream was included, <laughs> and we have since become somewhat addicted to it. <laughs> another lady, one of Lynn's students, showed up with a meal on another night. So if all of you were like me, there would be no need of a meal ministry. We'd never be called on. I would never ask for a meal. I have to be offered one so I can say yes. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful. So that's where all of us come into this. When you know of a, of a need, when you're aware of one, pass it on to the church leadership or to me directly. 
It's always private, it's always confidential. We'll take it from there, we'll offer the blessing to the family or the individual. Uh, now for the provision. We need a few volunteers, of course. And men, please don't feel excluded from this. You're not signing up, none of you are signing up to be called on a regular basis, but on an as-needed and as-available basis. A pot of soup, a plate of sandwiches, a full meal. It will vary, you'll just do what you do best and take it to whoever needs it. And you'll bless someone who'll be very grateful. I look to scripture where I see that we're not all given the same gifts and we're not all called to the same ministries. But do not quench the Holy Spirit by ignoring this opportunity to be a blessing to someone. Thank you for considering being a part of the Agape Meal Ministry. Thank you, Cindy. All right, a uh, couple of uh, another announcements as we move through August. You know, we've been blessed with uh, really great opportunities for fellowship and a few more coming up. Uh, women, uh, the reflection on the Psalms, Monday, August 15th, 7 p.m. at the well, and that's why we've been having the ladies reading Psalms and sharing throughout the summer. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful evening, and uh, Kathy, you're going to speak more about it next Sunday. Uh, but ladies, put that on your calendar. I encourage you to come out for that. And then a few weeks ago, uh, we announced that uh, myself and my wife were going to be uh, facilitating, we're calling it a parenting class, more like kind of like a seminar, get-together type of thing. Uh, August 20th, it's a Saturday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. There's a sign-up sheet uh, on the welcome cart. Child care will, will be provided. And, and I shared uh, last time, and now that it's August, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit more insight into what we're going to be covering. Uh, it's two parts. The first morning... Uh, we're going to be looking at material from Paul David Tripp, uh, a parenting conference that he hosts called Getting to the Heart of Parenting. And uh, this is really uh, a foundational approach to parenting, a biblical foundation to really understanding the why and the foundation uh, for the decisions you make. We know that when it comes to uh, parenting strategies and, and various things that you hear, hear out there, you know, that you get the whole spectrum. But as believers, sometimes we never even took the time to, to establish, you know, to think about what is, what is the basis? How should we even approach parenting from a, from a biblical, from a Christian worldview, a Christian foundation? And uh, there's a couple things I'll just share from uh, uh, Paul David Tripp's uh, conference. Go ahead and put the first one up. He says this, you know, your approach to family is really this. Think about it this way. The family is God's primary learning community. He's not talking about homeschooling here. He's talking holistic. He's like, the family is God's primary learning community. It should be a theological community, a sociological community, and a redemptive community. I mean, just that in and of itself, I go, holy cow, I didn't know that. Right? Even that would might give you pause to go, what? And that, I share that with you just to kind of whet your appetite a little bit about what we're going to be covering. To, to kind of get you to think through, well, what is the definition of family? And what is the basis for the decisions we're going to make for, you know, raising our kids. What is, what is the goal? And even when I saw that, I decided to put that up this morning just to kind of get you even thinking, wow, I never thought of my family as a theological community. I never thought of my family as a sociological. What does that even mean? And what does that mean for my roles and responsibilities as a parent? And uh, he has a quote. It's a good quote. It says, our children will be acculturated to something. They will not remain cultureless. And that's the priority of us being proactive and intentional in their lives. Your kids are not going to be neutral. In this culture, they will not be neutral. And so as parents, the question is, what are you doing, going to do intentionally? What is going to be your priority? How are you going to transfer or influence the, 
acculturating them into the biblical worldview. And so it's really foundational. Uh, it's not necessarily for those who have kids. Of course, you know, certainly this would, would uh, really appeal to many of you. But those of you who uh, we know that there's some who are expecting who are coming and some who uh, might be. Not that they're expecting, but Lord willing will be expecting sometime. Right? Sometime. No pressure, brother. Oh, um, the Lord's timing, right? Just say the God's plan, right, for that full quiver, that full quiver. Um, but, you know, if you're married and you need a second job for that full quiver. But um, if, you, if you're married and you don't have kids but you're wondering, you know, we can get prepared. Uh, there's some singles who are coming. Because, you know, they, they're at the, you know, what does that mean? You know, if I get married and I eventually want to have kids, this might be an opportunity for you to, to come in and just kind of see what's out there and, and, and have an opportunity. Uh, underlying it all is fellowship and building relationships. You know, there is a bond. And, no, again, welcome to you. Hello to you in the commons because they have a special bond on Sunday right out there with taking care of their little ones. And uh, so we invite you out to come on out. We want the child care. We're providing child care so that... Um, you can just be here as much as possible without distractions and interact with the material. It's going to be a video, and then we'll have discussion questions and just a chance for you to just kind of step back and go, wait, let me just get the big picture foundation here. Because it's really easy just to get caught, up, get caught up in the busyness of life or just kind of do parent like you were parented and never even realize that there might have been another alternative, another way to even approach it. And so... Uh, we're looking forward to it, uh, just kind of getting to know one another and sharing the journey together. So that's August 20th. Uh, sign up on the uh, uh, welcome card, if you will, so we can plan for child care. Uh, and then on August 24th, we're excited about this one. It's called Wednesday at the Well Family Night. And we wanted to end the summer and kick off the fall here on a Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Invite all the families, the kids. They're going to have the carnival games. I think we might have a jolly jump and the youth will come out. Just come and just have a good time. Just fellowship. We're going to give you more details. But it's just a couple hours to celebrate the end of summer and launch in the fall as a, as a family on a Wednesday night. So i uh, love to have you come up for that. And uh, finally, Shiloh is going to come up and speak about youth ministry. Hello. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Shiloh. I'm one of the leaders in our youth ministry, and I am married to Jordan for context. <laughs> and he's the youth director, so he's kind of going to be your point man for these events. Um, so just going over some things we have coming up with our youth. Um, this coming Wednesday, August 10th, we are going to have an all-nighter here at the well. So we're going to meet here at 6.30 p.m. and then go down to golf and stuff. Um, hang out there, come back, play some games, watch the movie The Bad Guys, which is this like fun animated film. It's rated PG. And then we'll see who can stay up the latest, maybe all night if they're up for it. Um, my threshold is about 10.30 at this point, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then in the morning, we're going to have a pancake breakfast, and pickup will be at 9.30 a.m., so today is the deadline to sign up, and the cost is $20, so you can let Jordan know if you would like to sign up for that. Um, our youth group kickoff will be the family night that they just announced, so August 24th will sort of be a joint 
kickoff for the youth and um, the other ministries. And then from there, we'll continue with our weekly Wednesday um, gatherings through the fall here at the well. And then our big event coming up in September is the Reality Student Apologetics Conference. So that's going to be Friday, September 23rd to Saturday the 24th. Um, It's going to be down in Santa Ana at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And um, this is a cool conference put on by an organization called Stand to Reason. And the theme this year is Seek and You Will Find. So um, it's really equipping students to navigate their doubts by seeking answers to their toughest questions. So we have eight students signed up so far, and I think it's going to be a really cool event. We're very excited. Um, The cost is $110 right now, and so that will include the ticket, lodging, and food. And so you can pay that anytime between now and September 8th if you're interested in going. And scholarships are available if you have a need, because we don't want anyone to not go because of cost. Um, And so if you'd like to sign up or pay, you can talk to Jordan as well, and There's Venmo um, as a method of payment or check or cash. And so, um, yeah, I think that's everything. Thank you. Graduated uh, high school back in 1984. And, uh, yeah, class of 84, right? And uh, grew up in a kind of academically focused home. I've shared with you before, my older sister went to uh, Air Force Academy, ended up at Berkeley. My older brother went to uh, Naval Academy, and I was third in line. And so we kind of were academic. They were valedictorians in high school, ASB president, everything. And so I was kind of raised that way and kind of really geared uh, down that track, uh, really since elementary school, all the way through high school. And I graduated high school, and I uh, had applied to different places. I actually got accepted to USC, but ended up at UCLA. Yes, there you go. And, um, and what's interesting, though, is uh, when I got to UCLA, I didn't really know why I was there. You see, I was raised with what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to get there, Right? What was I supposed to do? Well, I was supposed to do really well in school all through junior high and high school. And then what, what I was supposed to do was go get a four-year degree. And how you do that, you study really hard. You get involved in act- extracurricular activities. You get the good uh, applications to all the four years and all the private universities. And you get accepted somewhere, right? Because that's what I was supposed to do. That's what I was raised to do, and I knew how to do it. I just watched my older brother and sister. They, they were successful, so I just did what I did the how. But what was interesting and maybe different for, for me than, than either of them was I got to UCLA, and I didn't know why. There was no big plan. There was no big why. It was just uh, an accomplishment, right? And what I mean by that is UCLA and what I was going to pick as a major, I was undeclared for my first few years. Actually, I take that back. I went in under computer engineering, right? Because I took math, trig, all that stuff, and all in high school, zero period going before school started. So went under the computer engineering. And UCLA has two, their, their campuses are divided. Their south campus, which is math, computer engineering. North campus is liberal arts and political science and all that. So I went in computer engineering, and I had all these south campus classes, 
I think it took me a quarter, and I went north. Because <laughs> I'm like, ah, I don't like college. I had college math and college engineering courses. And, and I was really kind of swimming in, in the kind of general population of the students because I didn't really know why. I didn't really know why. I just knew that I was supposed to be there because that's what you do, right? That's what you do. You go get a degree, and then you go get a job, right? That, that's the how to get a good-paying job is the what is get a four-year degree. And so I really just kind of started taking GEs, and I kind of landed in uh, political science, international relations, so I graduated from North Campus over there. Uh, but what was interesting, and I... I, I never forget this conversation. Uh, I had a roommate, and we were, I think, our last year, last semester, our last quarter of, of before we graduated, and we looked at each other, and we're like, what are you going to do? <laughs> we're like, I don't know. Because, see, we still hadn't settled the why question. There was still no overarching why to my life for the next stage, so we kind of flippantly said, let's go to law school. We know how to do school. Right, and it's just a lot of reading and a lot of test taking. We know how to do that. So he went to, I think he ended up at University of San Francisco Law School. I ended up at University of San Diego Law School. And I went to law school, and I could do school. Uh, you know, you read, you have tons, hundreds and thousands, and you're in the law library, and you're reading, and you, you, know, you go through all the... But I knew how to do school. I was like a professional student. I knew how to take tests. I knew how to take notes. I knew how to interact. I was a professional student. And I still was not at peace. I was still not motivated. It, uh, you know, I, I would be in the law library, and I would see my classmates, and they're, you could tell they're passionate about this, and they're dialoguing, and they're getting internships. And for me, I'm just like, more school, just more school. And I was doing pretty well. I was like a B-plus average at law school, and I'm like, more school, right? And partway through that, I, I met my wife, and, you know, I, I got saved when I was right college, into college, into law school, and down at University of San Diego, I was going there, but I also started attending a church and became a believer, went to a Calvary Chapel down in San Diego, and I got involved in youth ministry as a volunteer with uh, Miles McPherson, pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego, and kind of came up under his mentorship, and suddenly, I was getting passionate about something. Suddenly, the Lord was stirring in me this why for my life. And, you know, I was challenged. I'm picking up kids from neighborhoods that I would never have gone to in San Diego. That's where I grew up. And, you know, and you're working with kids. You're taking, doing all-nighters, trying to stay awake at 4 a.m. for the kid who doesn't want to sleep and all of that. And doing everything in youth ministry. And, and suddenly I get this stirring, this passionate why, right, this purpose. This is what I want to do. But, of course, now it's, now it's a big conflict. Because I'm, in, I'm down that track. I'm going to go be a, law, a lawyer, which honestly was like cha-ching. It was all about the money, success. And then youth ministry, which is not all about the money. <laughs> right? And, I had to, I had, and it was a conflict. And, and, and ultimately, I, I could not ignore the passion, the why. And I chose youth ministry. And I'll never forget that, that moment when I had to go through the process of withdrawing from law school, going into my second year, and then I had to answer all the questions, especially, you know, my, my family was supportive, but they were concerned because, you know, of the loving question, hey, mom, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do 
law school. I mean, I had, I had my mom's from the Philippines, and, and her side of family has very successful attorneys on side, her side of family, even Supreme Court justice in the Philippines, her brother. So I, that, that's the lineage that I come from. And so I said, Mom, I'm leaving law school. What are you going to do? I'm going to youth ministry. <laughs> How much does that pay? <laughs> Not as much as law. <laughs> and we worked through it. And she's very loving, very supportive. Her, another one of her brothers is a pastor of a large Christian church in, in around the Manila area. So she, she, she was exposed in her own family to believers and evangelical church. So very supportive. But the, the point is, 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 is I went through much of my life, and I had no why. I had no purpose. I was just, I was living in what and how. What and how. And, and I was thinking about that in light of this series that we've been doing about the Holy Spirit and experiencing the power of the resurrection in my life. And, you know, there's a, there's a great question. Why? Why do you want the power of the resurrection in your life? What's the purpose? How does it fit actually the bigger purpose? Is there a bigger purpose? And then the, the more I thought about this, the more I realized in the church, even in this series about the Holy Spirit, we have pretty much been focused on what and how. What is the power of the resurrection? How do you experience it? Well, you know, we talked about you're indwelt. Then you are filled. And then you are to walk by the Spirit. And then you're to keep in step with the Spirit. What is that? That's all very true and it's all very necessary and it's all very real. But that is the what and the how. That's what and how. And a lot of us, I realize even pastorally, this has challenged me because pastorally what we try to do with the best of intentions is get you to mature and grow in your faith and we just give you a bunch of what's and how's. Well, what should I do? Read this. Well, then what next? Get involved in a small group. Well, then what next? Well, then serve. Well, then what next? Well, go to Mexico and help, right? And so we give you a whole bunch of what's and how's, all with the best of intention. But I don't know if we ever sit down long enough to ask you and help you work through the why. The why, and, and, and I'm concerned that, that we kind of do you a disservice because if you don't know your why, even as a believer, you're going to be much like me as a student at UCLA. You're just doing a bunch of stuff. And you're even successful, and some might even applaud you, and you know, wow, you went to Mexico, woo, and wow, you, you're involved in men's group and women's group, and you're doing so much around the church. And there's nothing wrong with that unless your doing is the end. And there's no bigger why behind what you're doing. In fact, Mark alluded to this, and, and I just want you to think about this for just a moment. Very personal to all of you here. You don't have to share Here's a question. You at home, you in the comments. Why are you here today? Think about that for just a second. Why did you choose to get dressed, eat, get in your car, drive here if you drove here, you know, do everything that was necessary this morning on a Sunday morning? Why? If you're at home, and you're watching us live stream, why did you get up and why did you turn on the computer and get it all fired up and wherever you are at home? Why, why are you here? Why did you tune in 
and I can't answer that. I'm just curious because for some, it might be more of a what and a how. Well, this is what we do, right? We go to church. Going to church on Sunday is what we do. Okay, so are you here more for a what? Or, well, but it's how we grow. We go to church. That's how we grow. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to deny Yeah, but what's the why? What's the big why? You know, uh, we had a discussion this morning at 8 o'clock, and, and how many of you here, a genuine heartfelt prayer, which is mine too, want to be more like Jesus? Why? And how does coming here fit that why, whatever the why is? And we're going to talk about that because this is important. This is important, not just in the church setting, but businesses have to wrestle with this, right? It's, it's a very deep meaning of life type of question, even a business. You have to settle the why, not the what and the how. Oh, we make these products, but why? Well, because we make these products, but, but why? Well, to make money. Well, that, that's not really the why, right? That's not, that's not a big enough why. And so I'm hoping that what we look to today will connect the dots as we kind of wrap up this series on the power of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, all the what's and the how's that we've talked about for several weeks. And suddenly that knowing the big why will energize you. See, when you have a why, when you know your why in life, when you know your why as a believer, you got enthusiasm. You got a reason to get up. You're a passion. You're not just like a pinball going boink, 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 and following a bunch of what's and how's. Everything sort of makes sense. And you're like, oh my gosh. For so many years, I was just kind of meandering through life and sort of just doing this and checking boxes and da, da, da. And suddenly when you understand the why, when you get the big enough why, you wake up in the morning and you have meaning and you have purpose. And I think for some of us, my prayer for you, for me, is that if we've been in a bit of a funk, if we've been in a bit of a, oh, is this all there is? This is boring. Oh, another Sunday. We've got to go to church. If, you, if your walk of faith has just been stale and stagnant and apathetic and complacent, it might just be because you lost sight of the why, the big picture. Okay, not that I'm disrespecting anything you do daily and serving and helping, and that, that's not about that. It's how does that connect to the bigger why in your life? What is the big why in your life? Why'd you get up? Why'd you come here? See, if you know the why, seriously, if you will uh, take not just what we hear today, but then meditate on it, chew on it, some of you might come back next Sunday, and you'll be different. And you know why you'll be different? Because your why will be different. You might even get here early because your why will be different. We got to go. We got to go. And this is what I'm hoping for you and as parents. Parents, you have to live a why because your kids want to know what's the why, mom? What's the mind? Grandpa, grandpa, what's the why? What's the purpose? Right? But oftentimes with kids, it's like, this is what you do. And this is how you do it. How many of you parents have heard the why? Anyone? Right? Why? Why? Even young kids want to know the why because they're trying to connect the dots of all the hows and whats that we tell them as parents. They want to know the why. And if they buy into the why, your life is so much easier. 
If you'll explain the why, if you'll enthusiastically demonstrate the why, they'll want to be a part of that. And now it's not just random to-dos and mom telling me to do this again. There's a big why behind it, right? So regarding the Holy Spirit, here's, here's, here's something I, I thought. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So all these weeks about the, you know, the practice of power and appropriating the power of the Holy Spirit in you, right? Ultimately to bear this fruit, all right? Love, joy, you can keep it up. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Looking at that list, and we know it's a fruit of the Spirit, right? It's, it's a result of walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you here at home would like to see that fruit manifested in your life? I know. You know what's coming next. Why? Why? Oh, because you said we're supposed to? Because why? Be more like Jesus, but why? You see, if we don't know why, then that just turns into a checklist. That becomes the end. That is not the end. Bearing that fruit is not the why. There's a bigger why to that. And here's the answer to the bigger why. Right? It says this in John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What is the big why about why we want to bear fruit in our life? What's the why? God gets the glory. That's the big why as a believer. That's the big why. Now, I know the reason that this is so, you like, some of you, it's, it's so cute. I told them this was going to happen. When I got to this point and I say something that challenges like a deeply cultural cultural value system it's so cute some of you it's so cute and i don't mean this you just like tilt your head it's so cute you're like and i have to pause because i know you're being challenged because you 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 picked up along the line all your years of vbs and all your churchdom put up the list again Galatians 5.22. That was the end. That was the end game for you. And then you turn that into sort of almost like the law. I've got to be more loving. I've got to be more joyful. I'm going to work really hard at being joyful. I need more peace. Ah, I need patience. (laughs) Kindness. Right? And that turned into the law for you. Like, what are you working on? Kindness. What's the Lord teaching you? Joy. Right? Because that became the end. It became another sort of law that you're aspiring to, and then you feel really bad because you never quite get there. A, because you you thought you could do it on your own. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You're trying to do that in the flesh. But B, because it didn't fit a bigger why. The reason I, as a fellow believer, and you, as a brother and sister in Christ, should desire to bear the fruit of the Spirit, go ahead in John 15, 8. 
is because by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so proved he might. You see how it changes everything? I now want to bear fruit because I want to glorify God. It's not about me. And that's the hard part about our culture. Because our culture, even in the church, is all about me. How am I going to grow? What sermon am I going to listen to? What's the latest podcast? I really hope like they do that song. And so much, you know, we used to talk about the prosperity gospel and, and wealth and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, kind of go, oh, wow, that's a prosperity well, there's another sort of prosperity gospel that's seeped in. I've done this for 30 years. And it's not about fancy jewelry and planes and boats. It's a prosperity gospel that says Jesus is supposed to fix my life. And what has Jesus done for me lately? And we've come to Christianity. And the big why is so that Jesus makes my life better. It's a selfish, self-centered faith. That's our purpose. Our big why is about me. And if you think about this, it affects why you don't come to church, because I'm fine. You see, if church attendance and getting involved in a small group and going to Mexico and all the disciplines of the faith are all about me and making my life better, well, if that's the purpose and I feel like I'm fine... I don't need any of that anymore. See, for many of us, even in the church, the purpose is me. John 15, 8, go ahead and put it back up. John 15, 8 says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. I desire, according to this, our big why, the biggest why that connects all the dots as a believer and life is the glory of God. It's the glory of God. Right? Look at this in Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, that's what we covered, here it is. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him. Everyone say to him. Amen. To him. That's, that's what it's about. It's to him. Right? And and it's so challenging, and this is why you got to chew on this, because a lot of our faith is to me, to me. And it's just part of our culture. It's the social media culture. It's everything is about me and me and my followers and my likes and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And along comes the Bible and says, it's not about you, it's to him. It's to him, right? Charles Swindoll. In living out the Christian life, we have one all-important objective, to glorify God in our body. When you operate your life from this perspective, it changes everything. That is why it is so important to view every day, sunup to sundown, from the spiritual dimension. When we do, we begin to realize that nothing is accidental, coincidental, meaningless, or insignificant. Things happen to us, things that happen to us are under our Lord's supervision because we are His and we are to glorify him regardless. Everything now is connected because everything trickles back to the glory of God. Everything is an opportunity to glorify God. There are no accidents. Nothing is meaningless. It all becomes an opportunity to glorify God. First Peter, live such good lives among the pagans 
that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's a testimony. How you live to the glory of God. Billy Graham, we glorify God by living lives that honor him. Right? It's about him. It's about him. And, and I'm just praying that, that if for whatever reason your, your, your why in life has become about you and has kind of almost put you in bondage, that today the Holy Spirit will set you free. Will just set you free to live for God. Something bigger, <laughs> transcendent, eternal, right? That'll get you up in the morning. That'll like light a fire again if necessary. Like, woohoo! I have an opportunity today to glorify my Father in every circumstance. Now that comes out of a relationship with him. That's a new covenant relationship. Okay? I've shared this story with you before around Christmas time. From Titus 2, uh, Eileen, we'll put up in the NLT, says this. Slaves must also obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. Now, we're going to keep that up because if you notice, the first two sentences in there are the how and the, uh, the, how and the what. The how and the what. Slaves must also always obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. The what and the how. This is what you're supposed to do as a slave. You live in a horrific life. But this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you conduct yourselves. The last phrase changes everything because it's the why. Then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. You see? Without the, the purpose statement there, it's just what's and how's. Suddenly, slaves who lived under horrific conditions, treated as property, and there it said, hey, you know what? Don't talk back. Don't steal. Be entirely trustworthy. And you're like, why? Well, because you make the doctrine attractive. Go ahead and put up the ESV version. It says this, but showing all good faith at the very end, so that. The word so that is a term of purpose. That's the why. So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Application at work. With that boss you hate, that coworker that drives you crazy. It's not just about, Lord, please help me make it through another day. It's, Lord, empower me supernaturally to glorify you, to adorn the doctrine of the gospel. Suddenly, you have a bigger purpose. Suddenly, it's not personal and it's not just human, it's now supernatural. And you're on a mission from God. At home, in your marriage, with your kids. When was the last time you said, Lord, I want to glorify you in my marriage as a husband? Not, Lord, would you please change her <laughs> to see it my way? Because you know I'm right. No. No. Lord, how can I glorify you? And be the husband you call me to be, according to your word. Isn't it different? Bigger purpose. 
Bigger purpose. Your role and responsibility in your, in your marriage isn't just about you two. It's about glorifying God. With, the, with your kids. Lord. It's no longer, Lord, please fix little Johnny. Because he's driving me crazy. It's, Lord, begin with me. So that I can glorify you and be the husband or the father or the mother you call me to be. When we, when we were raising our kids and trying to figure that out, we had five kids, and our prayer, our unifying prayer as we were raising our kids all through was, Lord, we just want you to be glorified. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but our heart, our passion, God, is that you would be glorified in our home. It was bigger than the day-to-day stuff. It was bigger than that. And that's what this verse is saying, is that, these slaves living under horrific conditions, had, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you a purpose that transcends circumstance. Amen? The church, as believers, we need a purpose that transcends what's going on in the country and this globe. The church has been sucked in to the stuff of the world, the mindset of the world, the emotions of the world, the depression, the discouragement, the anger of the world. The church has got sucked into it and is divisive and is angry and is bitter because they lost track of their bigger purpose. The bigger purpose is to glorify God regardless of what happens on this planet. Amen? We are citizens of heaven. We have a transcendent relationship, an eternal relationship that keeps us above the fray. So rather than saying, Lord, fix this, Lord, oh, the elections are coming up, we say, Lord, we want you glorified. We want you glorified. Like you said, there's so much out of, out of our control. What is in my control, what is in your control as a believer, is the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify God. What is in your control and the power of the Holy Spirit is how you respond to that text. How you respond to that person who said that mean thing to you. We have, if we will focus on the big why, this incredible privilege to glorify God in any circumstance. It elevates us. It elevates us above the circumstances. Alexander McLaren says this, the world takes its notions of God, most of all from the people who say they belong to God's family. They're watching, like Linda, right? They're watching. And there's, they want to see, hey, you believers, what's your purpose? What's your why? And if you have the why and you're living to the glory of God, you know what? They're probably going to ask you, what got into you? Why are you at peace? Why do you still have this strength? Why are you not discouraged and angry like everyone else? Well, I got a big why. I'm here to glorify God. I live for him. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. And so it's interesting because this goes from the kind of the macro down to the micro. And I show you, Bill, can you hand me that real quick? I shared this with you before, but this, this helps me. Maybe it'll help you. I'm a visual learner. I've shared this with you before. If you don't know your why, then you're connected to a whole lot of things in your life that you're just doing what's and how's. Relationships, job, money, use of time, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Some good. I'm saying, I'm not saying it's bad. When you know your why, 
the glory of God touches everything in your life. Marriage to the glory of God. Parenting to the glory of God. How I handle my money to the glory of God. How I talk to the glory of God. My friendships to the glory of God. What I do when I'm dating to the glory of God. What I look on a computer to the glory of God. Suddenly, your big why unifies your life. And you have purpose and you have enthusiasm and there's nothing that's not meaningless. It matters. It matters. Even how you drive. As a youth leader, youth pastor, I quickly understood that the teenage boys were watching how fast I would drive when we would go to events. And, you know, it's a challenge, right? And I remember one time they started to, you know, because teen boys, they hate being passed. And, even, you know, they're like, we're going somewhere, and I have this room full of teen boys. They're like, why are you going so slow, man? Or why are you going the speed limit? Why are you going the speed limit? And you know what I did? I just eased my foot off the accelerator. We started going slower. They're like, oh, come on, come on. No, 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 we can go to the, we're going to go to the fast. We're going to, and pulled over into the slow lane. They were watching down to the details. It wasn't lost on me even when I'm taking kids around in youth ministry how fast I drive. Am I glorifying God in that? Right? And this isn't like this harsh law. It's a, it's a joy. This is a joy. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in you, changes the nature, and this now becomes a joy to glorify God. Amen? But it makes sense. Now, this is like all the big areas, so this is kind of like your macro. But if you go down to the, this, see, this is where this is so powerful. If I have the purpose to glorify God, to bear much fruit, by this my Father is glorified, then I'm at work. But I still have the purpose, same purpose. But now, my boss, my coworker, my boring routine, even the, the, the tasks in each situation are still tied to the purpose of glorifying God. Amen? School. I want to glorify God. Homework, my relationship with my teachers, coaches. If your purpose is to glorify God at school, think of all the boring, mundane things of life. Suddenly there's now purpose. Suddenly there's now purpose. At home, chores. How we talk to each other. Discipline, eating, da 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 da. Well, if it's all to the glory of God, there's now everyone's unified around a purpose. Amen? So, the question is thank you, Bill. What's your why? What's been the why? And, and I'm just hoping that this, this encourages you, encourages you to maybe just take a step back today or this week or in the weeks to come, because I know this is. Man, I was raised in what and how, and I took it as gospel. This is what you do, unquestioned. Get good grades, go to four-year university, unquestioned, done. Until I got there and I realized I was swimming because I had no why. Some of us in our faith in the church, I'm hoping that this kind of connects some of the dots. Whether you've been in church for a week, a decade, or three decades, right? Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give what? Glory to who? Your father. The good works aren't for me. 
for him. We're doing some baptisms today to the glory of God. Amen? To the glory of God. Obedience glorifies God. Every time you read scripture and you choose to walk in obedience, that glorifies God. Whether or not anyone sees it or knows about it, it glorifies God. Every time you say no to the flesh, the world, or the devil, it glorifies God. And so we're doing baptisms to the glory of God because people, the three that are getting baptized, are responding to the work of the Holy Spirit and in faith and obedience are glorifying God by getting baptized. Amen? Amen. It's to the glory of God. This church is to the glory of God. It's not to the glory of the well. It's not to the glory of me. This is to the glory of God. We meet at 8 a.m. and people come and they get it all dialed in and all the tasks that go into every Sunday service the 8 a.m., the bridge, the hospitality, everything like that, that goes in hours and hours, countless hours, that go into one Sunday here is to the glory of God. That's what unifies us. That's what gives us joy. We don't know. I don't know. I shared with them today. I don't know what you're going to do with this. I don't know. But that's between you and the Lord. I can leave here whenever I leave here in the afternoon and I, I, I can find great fulfillment that God was glorified because we did our best. That's all we can do. And that's all you can do. The question is, what's your why? Have you been connecting everything to the glory of God? What's the purpose, right? John MacArthur says this. It's as simple as this. For a believer, for a true believer, you're, you are not the explanation for your life. You're not it. People may poke around to try to figure out why you are the way you are. There isn't a human answer. There's no human explanation for me being who I am. I am not the explanation of my life. God in me is the explanation of my life. Amen? You got to get that. I've shared with you before, we live a transcendent supernatural relationship through the indwelling Holy Spirit. If people are scratching their head about you and how you're living, that's a good thing. Because the explanation is God, not you. I love that, right? And then finally, John 17, 4, Jesus prays this. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus himself He's speaking about his upcoming death, right? The fulfillment of his mission to seek and save the lost and give his ransom a life for many. But look what he says. I glorified you. I glorified you, Father, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. It wasn't even about Jesus. Jesus fulfilling the mission that his father sent him glorified the father. Even Jesus had the big why. Glorify you father and so this morning just give you an opportunity to to reflect on your why maybe the big why is you know why do you need a savior what's the purpose and bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god bible says that like i said jesus came to seek and save the lost and give his life a ransom for many so maybe today this, the, the starting point of this journey of the big why is to come into relationship and know why you need Jesus. Salvation, forgiveness of sins.
receive salvation. The Bible says it's a gift by grace. But if you are a believer, maybe today has just deeply challenged you with why you've been doing what you've been doing. Has it all been to the glory of God is the hub? Has that been the big why for wanting the power of the Holy Spirit? Has that been the big why for wanting to be like Jesus? Has that been the big why for your marriage? Has that been the big why for your, your home? Has that been the big why for you at school and you on the sports team and you, whatever you're doing in your relationship? Has the why been to the glory of God? It unifies everything. It gives you clarity, and you know what? It brings life. Because to fulfill that big why, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, you're on this mission and this adventure and life. You get up in the morning, you're like, I know what I'm supposed to do today. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know what I'm supposed to do. Glorify God. I'm just supposed to glorify God. And then when I put my head on the pillow, your father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Get some rest. Because tomorrow, you're going to glorify me again. Who can do that one day at a time? I can do that. All right? There's joy and there's meaning and there's purpose. So what we're going to do is we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to give you a time of communion, but don't rush into communion. We're going to play a song for a little bit. And I'm really going to give you a chance even for a time of confession. Because as I was working through this, I'm going to be honest with you, I had to confess to the Lord that there's areas in my life where I haven't been living to the glory of God. Honestly, I've been living for my comfort. I've been trying to eliminate painful circumstances, trials. You know, rather than the glory of God, the purpose in my life oftentimes is to minimize pain and maximize pleasure. That's kind of much of my life. I like comfort and I like no problems. So you say, what is the overarching purpose I am a no-problem, purpose-driven person. <laughs> and that's moment by moment. But the Lord spoke to me and said, Lord, Richie, there's so much out of your control, especially when I put it behind here, right? When, when you're here and you've got all these responsibilities and I know what's going on in lives and I carry the burdens and, yeah, and the only, what is, what is really, I'm just going to be honest with you, what has helped free me this week is that I don't have to know everything. I don't have to control everything. I don't have to be perfect. All I need to do fundamentally is seek to glorify God. Live to the glory of God. Do my best as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a friend. Just, but seek to glorify God in all of it. And then I got clarity. Because until then, I thought I was spinning so many plates and fighting so many battles, and it was all disjointed. And God helped me, that bicycle thing, to bring it all back and say, no, do all for the glory of God. Just do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to play a song, give you a chance to talk to God, to pray. When you're ready, there's communion cups. You can take it at your own pace. Uh, there's bread and juice, and we do this in remembrance of Jesus, who said, I glorified you on earth, Father, having accomplished the work 
that you gave me to do. And uh, not to embarrass anyone, but are there any uh, August birthdays? Anyone? Uh, okay, Retha's been outed. That's good. That's good. Who's that? Evie back there? Evie. All right. I can't see you back there. Who? Someone else? Okay, back there, yes. All right. Oh, there we go right there. Another one. So let's look around. Look around. Oh, Alan in the booth as well. And I don't know if there's anyone in the comments. So uh, we just like to sing happy birthdays. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? We're all fearfully. Yes. We spare no expense around here to celebrate that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mark, that is quite the look there, bro. I don't... Okay, so on the count of three, Gloria's going to lead us into happy birthday. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear you all. Happy birthday to you. All right. Happy birthday, August birthdays. All right, kids, you know what time it is. We're going to dismiss you out the back doors to Kingdom Kids. Oh, I'm sorry. We have a video. That's right. We have a Kingdom Kids video before they're dismissed. Hi, Kingdom Kids and families. In Kingdom Kids this month, our series is going to be on what's in your backpack, and it teaches kids Bible lessons about having a good attitude about going back to school. Isn't that fun? And going back to school, we're going to be using things that we already have in our backpacks, and we're using Bible stories. We're going to talk about pencils and notebooks and rulers and can't forget our folders all that stuff and of course we're going to use stories from the bible so let's talk about some of our newest kingdom kids and see what their thoughts are stand by we can't tell secrets class time starting roscoe hi i'm kimbo and this is my new friend roscoe we have new backpacks when school starts, our backpacks get really heavy with books and snacks and stuff. We add more things every day. They feel heavy like us sometimes. We get fearful and we get sad. And sometimes we get worried like, what should I wear to school? We worry about making friends and oh, we get our assignments done on time. Right, Roscoe? Yeah, okay, but no matter how rough it gets, God is always there, and He loves you, and He will always be there to help you face all your problems. So when school gets tough this year, grab onto God, just like your backpack, and ask God to carry you through because He is always faithful in good times and in bad. You can always count on God, right? Teacher, Roscoe just tried to kiss me. All right. The return of Roscoe. Yes. 
All right, let's uh, let's give it up for the kids as they go to Kingdom Kids. Let them know how much we love them. All right, there you go. Thank you, Kim. That was awesome. Well, first Sunday of the month, we uh, we really have a lot going. Uh, we do celebrate it. If you're visiting, if you're new, we have a, a website, we have a church app, an email list you can get on, and so it's just a way for us to communicate. Uh, to you and for you to get to know us, so I encourage you to check those things out as well. Uh, one note, and this is something we mention every so often just to kind of help us because, you know, we're all busy and things just if we don't keep attention on some things, they tend to kind of drift. Uh, just just a reminder, you know, we start at 10 o'clock and, uh, you know, that's not something that we're just like, like kind of like angry about starting at 10 o'clock. The reason we encourage you to get here early and to come on in at 10 o'clock is that um, because we're live streaming primarily and out of respect for those at home and uh, those of you who get here early, we, we do try to start as close to 10 as possible. So we just encourage you, if you get here, come on in. We have plenty of time to fellowship and coffee and donuts and cheese and everything afterwards. But, but our heart uh, is to honor and respect that time, your time, uh, the time for people at home. And so that's the 10 o'clock start time. Just kind of uh, help us with that. Uh, we want to say thank you to everyone who helped serve yesterday at Doris's uh, memorial. Many of you served. It was a great setup in here. Some of you with the food and the drinks and everything. That was just a wonderful, wonderful celebration of Doris's life and how she impacted so many. I mean, really, this church uh, really is part of Doris and Frank's uh, legacy. That's why we're here. So uh, blessed to have done that. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, we have baptisms uh, after service today out in the uh, patio in the stage area over there. We're going to encourage you to come on out. Uh, we have a lot of food left over from yesterday, so that's going to be out there, and the donuts and everything will be out on the patio today. So come on out um, and just kind of celebrate as a church family, uh, really people being baptized and celebrating relationship with the Lord, okay? And uh, agape meals. Cindy, you want to come on up? Uh, we have a ministry called Agape Meals, and Cindy Mullins has uh, stepped in to, to help facilitate that. Sorry about that. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Good morning, church. Um, the Well is reviving a ministry that was on pause during COVID. Uh, the Agape Meal Ministry is specifically for our church fellowship. It's not a community ministry. Uh, we want to provide the blessing of a meal uh, for an individual or a family. Uh, during a time of uh, stress, surgery, new baby, loss, there are a number of reasons for providing a meal. I speak from the experience of July 21 last year when my husband had serious surgery. I was pretty, um, pretty stressed out, pretty thin with worry, unable to think about grocery shopping or preparing a meal. Much less, uh, yeah, much less preparing a meal. So an old friend called and said, I'm bringing dinner. Is 6 p.m. okay? She showed up with a simple meal. I could have kissed her feet. <laughs> the only negative to that was that a half gallon of Moose Tracks ice cream was included, <laughs> and we have since become somewhat addicted to it. Another lady, one of Lynn's students, showed up with a meal on another night. So if all of you were like me, there would be no need of a meal ministry. We'd never be called on. I would never ask for a meal. I have to be offered one so I can say yes. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful. So that's where all of us come into this. When you know of a, of a need, when you're aware of one, pass it on to the church leadership 
or to me directly. It's always private, it's always confidential. We'll take it from there, we'll offer the blessing to the family or the individual. Uh, now for the provision. We need a few volunteers, of course. And men, please don't feel excluded from this. You're not signing up, none of you are signing up to be called on a regular basis, but on an as-needed and as-available basis. A pot of soup, a plate of sandwiches, a full meal. It will vary, you'll just do what you do best and take it to whoever needs it. And you'll bless someone who'll be very grateful. I look to scripture where I see that we're not all given the same gifts and we're not all called to the same ministries. But do not quench the Holy Spirit by ignoring this opportunity to be a blessing to someone. Thank you for considering being a part of the Agape Meal Ministry. Thank you, Cindy. All right, a uh, couple of uh, another announcements as we move through August. You know, we've been blessed with uh, really great opportunities for fellowship and a few more coming up. Uh, women, uh, the reflection on the Psalms, Monday, August 15th, 7 p.m. at the well, and that's why we've been having the ladies reading Psalms and sharing throughout the summer. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful evening, and uh, Kathy, you're going to speak more about it next Sunday. Uh, but ladies, put that on your calendar. I encourage you to come out for that. And then a few weeks ago, uh, we announced that uh, myself and my wife were going to be uh, facilitating, we're calling it a parenting class, more like kind of like a seminar, get-together type of thing. Uh, August 20th, it's a Saturday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. There's a sign-up sheet uh, on the welcome cart. Child care will, will be provided. And, and I shared uh, last time, and now that it's August, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit more insight into what we're going to be covering. Uh, it's two parts. The first morning, uh, we're going to be looking at material from Paul David Tripp, uh, a parenting conference that he hosts called Getting to the Heart of Parenting. And uh, this is really uh, a foundational approach to parenting, a biblical foundation to really understanding the why and the foundation uh, for the decisions you make. We know that when it comes to uh, parenting strategies and, and various things that you hear, hear out there, you know, that you get the whole spectrum. But as believers, sometimes we never even took the time to, to establish, you know, to think about what is, what is the basis? How should we even approach parenting from a, from a biblical, from a Christian worldview, a Christian foundation? And uh, there's a couple things I'll just share from uh, uh, Paul David Tripp's uh, conference. Go ahead and put the first one up. He says this, you know, your approach to family is really this. Think about it this way. The family is God's primary learning community. He's not talking about homeschooling here. He's talking holistic. He's like, the family is God's primary learning community. It should be a theological community, a sociological community, and a redemptive community. I mean, just that in and of itself, I go, holy cow, I didn't know that. Right? Even that would might give you pause to go, what? And that, I share that with you just to kind of whet your appetite a little bit about what we're going to be covering. To, to kind of get you to think through, well, what is the definition of family? And what is the basis for the decisions we're going to make for, you know, raising our kids. What is, what is the goal? And even when I saw that, I decided to put that up this morning just to kind of get you even thinking, wow, I never thought of my family as a theological community. I never thought of my family as a sociological. What does that even mean? And what does that mean for my roles and responsibilities as a parent? And uh, he has a quote. It's a good quote. It says, our children will be acculturated to something. They will not remain cultureless. And that's the priority of us being proactive and intentional in their lives. Your kids are not going to be neutral. In this culture, they will not be neutral. And so as parents, the question is, what are you doing going to do intentionally? What is going to be your priority? How are you going to transfer or influence the, 
acculturating them into the biblical worldview. And so it's really foundational. Uh, it's not necessarily for those who have kids. Of course, you know, certainly this would, would uh, really appeal to many of you. But those of you who uh, we know that there's some who are expecting who are coming and some who uh, <laughs> might be. Not that they're expecting, but Lord willing will be expecting sometime. <laughs> right? Sometime. No pressure, brother. Oh, um, the Lord's timing, right? Just say the God's plan, right, for that full quiver, that full quiver. Um, but, you know, uh, if you're married and you need a second job for that full quiver. But um, if, you, if you're married and you don't have kids but you're wondering, you know, we can get prepared. Uh, there's some singles who are coming. Because, you know, they, they're at the, you know, what does that mean? You know, if I get married and I eventually want to have kids, this might be an opportunity for you to, to come in and just kind of see what's out there and, and, and have an opportunity. Uh, underlying it all is fellowship and building relationships. You know, there is a bond. And, no, again, welcome to you. Hello to you in the commons because they have a special bond on Sunday right out there with taking care of their little ones. And uh, so we invite you out to come on out. We want the child care. We're providing child care so that... Um, you can just be here as much as possible without distractions and interact with the material. It's going to be a video, and then we'll have discussion questions and just a chance for you to just kind of step back and go, wait, let me just get the big picture foundation here. Because it's really easy just to get caught, up, get caught up in the busyness of life or just kind of do parent like you were parented and never even realize that there might have been another alternative, another way to even approach it. And so... Uh, we're looking forward to it, uh, just kind of getting to know one another and sharing the journey together. So that's August 20th. Uh, sign up on the uh, uh, welcome card, if you will, so we can plan for child care. Uh, and then on August 24th, we're excited about this one. It's called Wednesday at the Well Family Night. And we wanted to end the summer and kick off the fall here on a Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Invite all the families, the kids. They're going to have the carnival games. I think we might have a jolly jump and the youth will come out. Just come and just have a good time. Just fellowship. We're going to give you more details. But it's just a couple hours to celebrate the end of summer and launch in the fall as a, as a family on a Wednesday night. So uh, love to have you come up for that. And uh, finally, Shiloh is going to come up and speak about youth ministry. Hello. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Shiloh. I'm one of the leaders in our youth ministry, and I am married to Jordan for context. <laughs> and he's the youth director, so he's kind of going to be your point man for these events. Um, so just going over some things we have coming up with our youth. Um, this coming Wednesday, August 10th, we are going to have an all-nighter here at the well. So we're going to meet here at 6.30 p.m. and then go down to golf and stuff. Um, hang out there, come back, play some games, watch the movie The Bad Guys, which is this like fun animated film. It's rated PG. And then we'll see who can stay up the latest, maybe all night if they're up for it. Um, my threshold is about 10.30 at this point, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then in the morning, we're going to have a pancake breakfast, and pickup will be at 9.30 a.m., so today is the deadline to sign up, and the cost is $20, so you can let Jordan know if you would like to sign up for that. Um, our youth group kickoff will be the family night that they just announced, so August 24th will sort of be a joint 
a kickoff for the youth and um, the other ministries. And then from there, we'll continue with our weekly Wednesday um, gatherings through the fall here at the well. And then our big event coming up in September is the Reality Student Apologetics Conference. So that's going to be Friday, September 23rd to Saturday the 24th. Um, It's going to be down in Santa Ana at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And um, this is a cool conference put on by an organization called Stand to Reason. And the theme this year is Seek and You Will Find. So um, it's really equipping students to navigate their doubts by seeking answers to their toughest questions. So we have eight students signed up so far. And I think it's going to be a really cool event. We're very excited. Um, The cost is $110 right now. And so that will include the ticket, lodging, and food. And so you can pay that anytime between now and September 8th if you're interested in going. And scholarships are available if you have a need because we don't want anyone to not go because of cost. Um, and if, so if you'd like to sign up or pay, you can talk to Jordan as well. And there's Venmo um, as a method of payment or check or cash. And so, um, yeah, I think that's everything. Thank you.